Why doesn't Amazon have a show about Amazons? That is a really good question. Shouldn't they have a Wonder Woman show or a show about the Amazon River, a nature show? Sure. Or something. Or, or, or an Egyptian show about the Amazon River. Egyptian show. No, wait, what am I talking about? I'm thinking about the Nile, not the Amazon. River, yeah. Uh, never mind. Amazons. Um, yeah, so like actual real life Amazons that like have one, one breast. Because yeah. they have the other one cut off because they so they can shoot their weapons. Right. Yeah. Which would be where? In the Amazon forest, of course. No, no, it wouldn't. You don't you were, think you so? You were close with the Amazon River. Aren't the Amazons from, uh, from like uh, Eastern, uh, not Eastern Europe. Well, I guess now it's Eastern Europe, but from like the Bosphorus area, the oh, sort boy. of Black Sea area. I guess so. I thought that that was like historically, in so much as there is like historical Amazons, it was sort of from that area. Okay. Because a lot of these, hey, what show is this? <laughs> a lot of these like myths are just, um, I can't remember the term, but they're just like interpolations of like actual historical events to, you know, things that had become legend because they didn't have Snapchat to like, I guess Snapchat's temporary. Pick the wrong right. one. It's got a can it though, or a CH. Right. Uh, to, to record this stuff. So it's just like, you know, like the Minoan civilization collapsed for some reason. And we don't really know why, although it's theorized that it could be some kind of ecological disaster or tidal waves or something like that. And so you've got this island nation that's like really advanced. And mm-hmm. suddenly they basically, over the course of, you know, a couple of decades, disappear from right. the Mediterranean. And you go, oh, it's Atlantis. Right. Yeah. Things no, like exa- that. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't... Hmm. I don't know why Amazon doesn't have a show about Amazons. It seems kind of uh, like a no-brainer. Um, like that... Um, why doesn't Amazon exec... Like, why didn't he come up with that? Or she come up with that? Who? I, I, I'm just picturing an, an Amazon executive. That's all. Amazon Andy? Y- sure. Amazon, Amazon Andy or Annie, you know. Andy could be a girl. Oh, there you go. If it's Star Wars, Andy could be a guy. That, that is true. Wookie wookie, Amazon Annie. <laughs> well, they don't have an Amazon show. They also don't have a Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen show anymore. Forever has been canceled. Oh, I didn't even know the that was a show. The axe is coming down insofar as, uh, let's see, we need a, one boob to shoot a bow, but maybe one boob that uh, helps you shoot an axe, too, or throw oh, an axe. Oh, my goodness. And so, uh, yeah, forever, their show's gone. Nicholas Winding reference, too old to die. Young, show's gone. Good! <laughs> too crappy to be a show. Uh, the Romanoffs <laughs> is canceled, which was a huge investment by it Amazon. Was. Uh, that's gone, too. Um Let's show. Sometimes a podcast doesn't make a good show. I'm Aaron Mankey, and Lore is canceled. <laughs> Lore is gone, and that show that we didn't like, Patriot, is gone too. Oh, okay. They're, <laughs> so, they're they're cutting the fat. Yep, they're clearing the table out. Yeah. So they can put these Lord of the Rings books on it. Yes. It'll look exactly. real good in the middle of this table. Uh, and the expanse. Spread out this cloth map. Right. That came with the book. Right. Well, and and the expanse like. Um, didn't they just get uh, renewed for season five? Yes. So they're making room for that, too. Season four has not debuted yet. No. So I'm excited about that. Um, I guess it's too bad about these other shows. I yes to space. Yeah. No to whatever the Romanoffs was. <laughs> and 
Well, here in Mankey. <laughs> to be fair, like, I mean, I never saw the Romanoffs, but it just sounded too insufferable. Un- it sounded insufferable and unwieldy. <laughs> yes. Um, like, these are all people who are descendants of the Romanoffs. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, it's it's weird because Amazon has a lot of money. Yep. They can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? Well, you take, um, there's three things you can do. You take a sure bet, like the Lord of the Rings. I mean, I don't know if it'll be yeah. any good, but it's, people it's will watch built it. built-in fan base. Yeah, people will get primed to watch Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Or you uh, take something that was underappreciated but could thrive with the right uh, push, mm-hmm. like The Expanse. Right. Or you let a famous creator just shoot his shot and just go, wow, well, I got this weird idea. Right. And then you sink a lot of money and time and like guest stars into it. Right. And that's Matthew Weiner's The The Romanoffs. The Romanoffs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so far, yeah. Uh, record on shows that whose titles are a family name. Uh, one and one, up one, down one. Oh, what, what's the up one? Sopranos. Oh, the Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stick to the Italian names. Uh, the Russian names, not so much. Right. You know. You know what would have been better? Maybe Amazon thought they were getting a Natasha Romanoff show. Maybe, or maybe they thought it was like a, an actual his like historical drama dramatization of the romanovs he's like wait a minute hold on yeah first of all let me sexually harass this woman over here who's taking Uh... notes and then also no that's not what it is right imagine oh just pick a half a dozen john slattery characters and just smear them into like one insufferable like rich white guy yeah and then times that by 20 and the romanovs yeah we don't need that we're going sicko mode on the romanovs we are (laughs) Just we like, we haven't even seen it. We're no. just beating it to but shreds. That, that's that's the advantage of having a podcast. <laughs> it is the longest distance shot that you can take. It's my opinion, and I'm going to spew it now. And I want it now. Yeah. It's my garbage, and I want it now. <laughs> Give me those Romanoffs. Give me that Just Enough Trope. We're the Just Enough Trope podcast. I'm your host, Caliban. Joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Mikan Hana. And we had to start with something fun, or at least something that we yes. could make fun of. Absolutely. Here in Mankey, because unfortunately we have sad news to report, which is the death of Rekker Hauer at yeah. 75, the Dutch actor. I was going to say Dutch American. I know he spent a lot of time in the U.S. I don't know if he ever got a citizenship. That's but, a good uh, question. I don't yeah, know if he did But he or not. Uh, has passed away, an unspecified illness. And it's really like one of those things where it's tra- It's a tragedy. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about some of his films today. Yes. But I-, I was going back through my Facebook feed. Uh, I don't want to be treated any differently. <laughs> um, Noted. But I wanted to uh, support myself and just really appreciate, just laugh. Just, oh, oh, we laughed at uh, my own jokes. Uh, and I was just noticing how many RIP posts I've done this year. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, just a couple years ago, we were like, how do we get out of this year? Like a year in which uh, Prince and, 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 and Bowie, uh, Bowie died. Yeah. and George Michael all died in the same time or whatever. Right. And <laughs> just, we had no idea what was in store. Celebrity deaths come in three thousands. Right. It's way more than threes. And I think it's just it continues to get worse because like the more like that we're connected to other people, like the more you just find out about. Oh, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when. Well, it might be don't know, but like when Larry Storch dies, like we're all going to hear about it. But right. a bad pick because he was a star of the Boomers, and until they go, 
<laughs> how will we know? It's like the last person to, to fight in the Civil War. You know, like, how will we know when the last boomer goes? Uh, I don't know. Is That's a CNN really good question. Zillennial edition, uh, edition even going to know about that? I, Are they going to send us a cyber uh, blast? Right. We'll know. That's it. They're gone. They're, they're gone now. The last person who was at Woodstock right. is now gone. Right. The last person who was alive and Aaron saw Mankey, the moon landing. The Aaron Mankey. The Amazon. The, the Amazon. The <laughs> Amazons. The Romanoffs mm-hmm. and Boomers. We're going hard on three things. Yes. Today, three things. These celebrity deaths. These celebrity killings are going to be in threes. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm doing. Anyway, no. That's we're getting off topic. We're talking about. Uh, Rucker Hauer and some of his films today and as sort of a continuation of a show that we did previously mm-hmm. about a, a talented uh, director filmmaker Paul Verhoeven yes. a countryman of Rucker Hauer uh, we're going to do a continuation of that and talk about three films that were collaborations between Paul Verhoeven and Rucker Hauer exactly the guy who Verhoeven kind of gave uh, Hauer his start yeah on Dutch TV mm-hmm. and then uh, was in the first couple of movies of his until they did a movie <laughs> That, that made we'll them decide that they'll never work together ever again. Yeah. <laughs> for, sadly. It's unfortunate. Uh, yeah. But that's what happened. So we'll be talking about three films. Turkish Delight. Mm-hmm. The film uh, Spetters. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Not Spetters. He's got a small part. Soldier of Orange. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, Flesh plus Blood. Flesh and Blood. Yes. So flesh plus doing... blood, like Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah, right. Good, good one. Never heard that. All right, you've said that before. Uh, other I, than I, st- I stole it from you. Stealing my bits. How you been? <laughs> I've been good. Larcenous. Uh, larcenous. What do you mean? Ste- stealing. Oh, thanks. Well, I, I guess I'm just stealing things that you're saying. So, um, I'm apologize about that. Uh, but other than that, I've been good. Uh, how how about you, Cal? <laughs> wow. Uh, fine. Except for you know what we just brought up. Well, I know. Um, what if we just put a freeze on it? We're like, we're good. Uh, everybody lives. Uh, until the end of the year. who are in crippling pain and are begging for death, like, sorry, we'll pencil you in for the beginning of 2020. Uh, <laughs> what if we just put a pause on it right here and nobody else went? Uh, yeah, that'd be something. Here's a morbid game. Who's oh going? You know, I hear we people... we got five months left. People, like, you know, will say... They'll, they'll have a pool, like a dead pool. Isn't that where like Deadpool gets done. his name? I wish he would die. Uh, well. I don't know where he gets his name from. I think Rob Liefeld is just like a, a dirty hairy a weirdo. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have no idea. Um, it just sounds good. But that Death there's blood. Right. But there's like uh like you 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 come up with a list of celebrities. Yeah. But it's so morbid. You know, and like to actually put money I on it. Started this segment by okay, saying it was morbid. So who's on your death pool? Jeez, I don't know. I I don't know who I want to put in there. <laughs> You're not wishing for the death. No, of anybody. you're just saying. Um, seems likely. <sighs> Brett Radner's at the top of mind. Well, that that's your wishing. <laughs> okay, I guess I said we're not going to wish. Right. <laughs> You, you totally said that, and that was the first thing on your My mouth. pool is at the bottom of a well, and I'm throwing a coin in there. Yeah. Valor Morgulis. Uh, let's get this Brett Ratner thing going. Oh, my goodness. Um, who haven't we seen in a while who's just kind of... Okay, you're not... I'm, I don't you're know. You're not ready for this. No, I'm not. That's okay. You're too good of a person. I am not. Oh, boy. Brett who, Ratner? Who do you... Okay, Sorry. besides Brett Ratner, who is on your Eat list? that shrimp now. No, I, that's <laughs> probably it. I, this is probably not the right way to start this. <laughs> because Rucker wouldn't have wanted this. That's true. He was such a nice guy. And he was an amazing person. Uh, and we're not being um, overly effusive because of you know the circumstances that we find ourselves in. 
uh, by all accounts, I looked too. Like I was reading about his life <laughs> after he passed, and I looked mm-hmm. for like any time that he kicked a dog or <laughs> anything, and I couldn't find anything. Like he was right. a you know, he was an actor, he was an artist and a nice guy. Um, Whoopi Goldberg was a friend of his. Which is crazy to me. <laughs> Which is like, like he, how did they meet? He knew Whoopi Goldberg. I know. Yeah, I don't think he was in Eddie or, or something like that. No. I just, uh, or Sister Act. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Sister Act. Did they ever make a three? They must have. I don't know if anyway, they did. I know there's a two. There's like a Sister Act, you know, where now we're at Sister Act like seven. Where it's it's gotten weird and <laughs> she's stopping terrorists and he's playing like, you know, a terrorist or something like that. Yeah, but, I could see that. And he was a philanthropist. <laughs> try to get this word right. Philanthropist. Yes. As well. And yes. uh, started charities and was an environmentalist. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he was, um, maybe if you came in with leather shoes on, he'd be like, Really? This is what we're gonna do? <laughs> so he was a little like uh, sanctimonious. I mean, that's the worst thing we could say. Oh, sure. But yeah, we'll say a, a lot holier than thou. if we ever get to it. Uh, so uh, a death, but also a birth to be announced. Uh, we are welcoming a new show to the network. Oh, yes. To the mm-hmm. Justin Trope uh, Podcast Network. The show is called Backtracking, mm-hmm. and its hosts are myself and a man named Gooey Fame. Yes. And I know people don't like it when we talk about Star Trek. On this show, which is why we have other shows where there is Star Trek. Yes. And this is a Star Trek slash pop culture podcast is how I describe it. Mm -hmm. It is nominally about Star Trek, but every Star Trek episode, like any work of art, Mm -hmm. is inspired by something else, something in the world. And so whenever you're watching an episode of Star Trek, there are many original ideas and concepts, but there's also things that you go, well, that kind of seems like something something else that i saw right um, you know there's what captain picard is is caught alone in his ship and a group of terrorists uh want to steal some bearer bonds from the safe on, right. <laughs> on the enterprise d right and you go that sounds like doing hard yeah well how do you say yippee kaye in vulcan <laughs> that's a good question and there's an episode like that it's called starship mine uh, yes. from next generation so there's a lot of yeah. examples like that examples of Star Trek sort of um, riffing on t- other TV shows and movies, even historical events mm-hmm. uh, or historical personages, uh, sometimes borrowing from itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, th- we have this show called Backtracking, and on that show we talk about the links between the inspirations behind Star Trek, classic Star Trek episodes. And we've been going for a little while now. We've uh, just released our ninth episode uh, this week. And so um, we've do- been doing it on the side, but we're bringing it into the fold now and making yes. it part of the Just Enough Trope Network. So you can find that at, at Backtrekking. It's all one word, and there's two Ks, T-R-E-K-K-I-N-G, Backtrekking on Twitter. Uh, we'll have a website pretty soon. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's on iTunes and Stitcher and all the good places you can find stuff. Right. Uh, and yeah, I think it's pretty entertaining. Even if you're not like a hardcore Star Trek fan, uh, I'd encourage you to go check it out. Like, for instance, you like Die Hard? Right. Listen to the Die Hard episode. Right. You can you can pick and choose. Yeah. Like, um, uh, your your latest episode, uh, that you just that just came out, uh, is about uh a, a movie that is a submarine movie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, I'm really great. My at this. hype woman, everybody. Um, <laughs> I, I was just gonna say it's it's actually it's a really fun show, and um, I think that uh, non Trek fans would enjoy it as well. So yes, so we've got so many shows right now; they are uh, all trying to get through the door at once, like the Three Stooges. So uh, we need a new platform, and we've been looking for one. And one thing that we are looking at is internet radio. 
mm-hmm. uh, which would be a internet radio station accessible, you know, online or on your device where our podcasts uh, play in perpetuity, uh, different times, different hours. Uh, we also have music and all this sort of thing. It's something that we're kind of working on and developing, and you should keep an eye out in the future. Uh, no formal announcement right now. But if that's something that you think uh, would be cool and something you'd want to listen to, and even if you have suggestions of what you'd like to hear on that station, because we have a lot of latitude, then let us know on social media, Facebook and Twitter at JustEnoughTrope.com. It's really exciting. check out backtracking. Yeah. Let's check out the news. So I mentioned Amazon's Lord of the Rings show before. Yes. We've got an announcement of the first cast member to be involved in this oh. Lord of the Rings show. Okay, who is that? It is a person that you have never heard of, <laughs> but right. somebody else may have. Kay. It's a woman named Markella Cavanaugh. She has been in uh, Amazon's uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock, okay. um, the Australian TV version of Romper Stomper. Uh, I have no idea so what that is. Yeah, that, that sounds it intriguing. It was an Australian movie okay. uh, that got turned into a TV show. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, she'll be in it. We don't know what she's playing. Um, her character's name is Tyra, um, which doesn't sound very Tolkien-esque to me. No. Tyra Tolkien. Right. Um, so I'm thinking maybe that's like, what if that's just from the casting notice? You know, like, yeah. like Ted the Andorian. That would make more sense. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. So I don't really know, but um, she's, yeah, they cast a, a nobody in a part that nobody knows. Okay. So. It sounds like Tiger out of me or something. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you go to this is you go to Tigra before Tyra Banks. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess I do. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, uh, uh-huh. but <laughs> uh-huh. well, um, I'm a little worried about this show. I mean, okay. it, first of all, it's sacred prop. It's a sacred property. This is true, clearly, and yes. then it's also a situation where you've got. So J. A. Bayona, the director of Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, is mm-hmm. going to direct the pilot. Right. And then the chief writer showrunners are J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, who have done some stuff. I've never heard of them before. Um, probably their most recent work you haven't seen because they wrote the script for the third Star Trek movie, uh, Star Trek Beyond, that was rejected uh, for Simon oh. Pegg's script. Okay. Right. Uh, not too exciting then. Um, maybe it'll be good, but we, we don't really have any very concrete uh, example of their work yeah well i mean who do who do you want you want peter jackson to you know at least sign on as like supervising producer that would be a good sign yeah Yeah. but instead it's they're just gonna go at it and it's gonna be the aragorns oh boy (laughs) it's gonna be eight generations of Uh, aragorn's family right john slattery plays oh no elrond come on he's like I don't know what's going on in this Rivendell today. <laughs> Looking at the Rivendell newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, why does he have white hair? Right. Uh, the elves always young. Right. Uh, yeah, elves can go prematurely gray, right? Sure. <laughs> and what what would prematurely gray look like for the elves? Would it just be like this beautiful silver and like? I feel like silver is already like a hair choice. Yeah. On uh, Lord of the Rings Online. Yeah. You make it a character. Yeah, yeah. I think you're you can right. already get silver, so yeah. maybe that's not so weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hulu is not to be denied, and they are going to create a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV show. Yeah. 
How do you feel about this, Cal? Here's how I feel about it. I'm disappointed at the coverage uh, that I've seen on the internet. I mean, there isn't okay. a lot of information. We know that um, Carlton Cuse, um, one half of the producing team behind Lost, um, okay. the quote-unquote good half, because <laughs> the other half is Damon Lindelof, yeah. who we'll talk about in a second, okay. uh, is the main guy behind it. He also, I don't know, I feel like he's... I feel like he's a real like ham and egger. Like I don't feel like. What do you mean by that? I mean that he's like not your. Um, he's not your Vince Gilligan. He's not your Matthew Weiner. He's not your guy that's going to bring something that's like, whoa, this is revolutionary. Okay. Uh, he's just like a guy who's like, that's a solid show. Like you're going to make Quantico or some procedural or something. I feel like sure. that's his thing. Like as far as Lost goes, the ups, the downs or whatever, I think all the crazy stuff was Damon Lindelof. And it just, we coming back week after week for six or seven seasons, mm -hmm. um, keeping the story structures because everything is like a flashback. And so right. that sort of complicated thing, I think that was all sort of his hand. Okay. And recently, I think, it's Netflix, right? Recently, um, he's signed on to do the Lock and Key show. Oh, okay. Which has been circling the drain for Absolutely. 15 years trying to get this thing At made. At least, yeah. And he was the guy to do it. So, like, I think he's solid. Insofar, okay. like, you know, as, like, my old editor described all my pieces, solid. <laughs> which was not a compliment. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So, but anyway, back to the, the answer to your question. Uh, I, I hate the fact that all the articles for this have a picture from the 2004 movie starring Martin, the Hobbit guy, man. Right, right, guy. right. There's literally Why? a Hitchhiker's Guide TV show yes. that they could use stills from. Yeah. We're literally talking about a TV show. Right. And it's going to be a remake Why am of I looking TV at Moss show? Death? Yeah, I, I know. Um. Yeah, that's a little disconcerting because it seems or like... Or disconcerting as well. Um, did I say it wrong? If you disconcern, it's not really a word, but I suppose it says that you are you are re reducing or, or or affecting someone's ability to feel concern. But you are taking concert, which is, you know, in this case, uh, equity uh, flow mm -hmm. to be going well, and you are dis you are disconcerting something. Oh, okay. All right. Um. Yeah, I just... <laughs> you need like a fun catchphrase when I correct your your <laughs> orthography. Yeah, I guess I do. You're uh, like, you don't know me. All right. Um, Kiss my grits. Okay, calm down. Um, okay, calm down. <laughs> I, think, I think we got it. Oh, okay. Um, I, I I just... Uh, I don't know what to say about this. Um, I, I did not see the film... Uh, it, it did not look very good so I just didn't see it I I really enjoy the books I think the books are really entertaining and they're really uh, slapstick which is why the movie was so good well yeah I nobody know. gets the Douglas humor. Adams one no. person understood Douglas Adams and he died almost 20 years ago so Douglas Adams yeah so yeah. I I don't know I recommend reading the books yeah. I, I guess I'll maybe I'll check out the TV show but I'm going to check it out, and if I don't like it, I'm just going to stop. And if I don't like it, I'm going to edit it out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my brain. Let's talk about another TV situation. Uh, it looks like Expanse is being renewed for season five. And Amazon, uh, you had said that before. Mm -hmm. uh, so this isn't news so much as we need to talk about Holden. Why do we need to talk about Holden? <laughs> I'm doing a play on. We need to talk about Kevin. Oh, okay. I gotcha. We're going to talk about Holden instead. Uh, he's got a beard. Yep. And from what I understand, 
everybody's excited the expanse is going to come back but Absolutely. everything that you like zero g gunfights um mars just in general right uh all that stuff this is this is not what the witcher gonna get you don't think so no this is remember like battlestar galactica everyone is shitting their pants it's the best show ever and mm-hmm. then they're all wearing stocking caps and they're living in tents what right i thought this was a space show yeah 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 okay or like the lost the, the hatch season i liked the hatch season I, well I, I did too but uh yeah this is gonna be amazon or the expanse's uh hatch season i think oh I'm okay. seeing a lot of they're on dune buggies, on like blasted like Icelandic terrain. It's going to turn know. into like a settlement frontier show. I don't know how I feel about. They're that. not going to be chasing down glowing skeleton creatures. I mean, it, it's just like it's so cool. It was like you know, like nothing, like a it's a space sci-fi show, but like it it's very ex- explorative. I don't know if that's a word. Uh, uh, it is Explorative. not. Um, nope. Nope. <laughs> Uh, gonna keep going. Uh, it, but, um, you know, we were, there was like this weird thing and we were following it and now we're not really worried about that anymore. So. (laughs) No, I guess we're not. Uh, and then it's like politics, but I feel like, you know, we didn't, we didn't see as much of that. I mean, maybe we did, but, um. I think that the storyline of a. A, a, a government, uh, in this case, a you know an Earth United government, a world government, um, in 250 years in the future, still having to deal with corporate interests, yes. and basically like a business plot, you know, yeah, uh, of of corporations trying to wrest control from uh, the government and like start a war because it's good for business. It's pretty relevant, yeah, uh, that's true. to our today's politics, mm-hmm. and then uh, instead. What's oh, this planet? Or is it, we found aliens or something. Right. It's like okay, well, it's a totally different show. Right. Um, I I just kind of felt like we're spoiled for choice. I mean, we're we're whining about the creme brulee isn't crispy enough on top. I know, I know. I mean, I I, I think it's a show that kind of tries to push the envelope of what you know, what is a sci-fi show, and um, what what can we continue to explore, um. And, uh, you know, I haven't read the books, but I, I feel like I should check them out. Great. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yes. We're going to try to get some more juice out of this next one. Okay. Uh, we got some more details about the Hawkeye series. All right. I think I'd seen a interview with uh, Scarlett Johansson before. Um, calm down. <laughs> she didn't say the n-word or something dumb oh gosh but she was talking about how they, somebody asked her like oh you know is hawkeye gonna be in your movie or you know would you be on the hawkeye show and she's mm-hmm. like well anything can happen so not a uh, story okay well no, not really a story maybe to both of those i guess <laughs> uh but we do know that kate bishop will be in the hawkeye show okay we kind of figured as much like yeah. what else are you gonna have a show about hawkeye about but yeah you know. yeah that's pretty much confirmed at this point okay cool. um how do you think that that will play out uh you mean do you think she's gonna like take over as hawkeye or or is she gonna just kind of be like friend of hawkeye um i think he could he could hand the reins over to her in that tv show i think that could totally because he's a rock star now i know i mean if these car ads are are to be believed yeah he's a huge rock star i know so 
Okay. He's going to be busy. Yeah. <laughs> Look, man. Going on tour. This part's supposed to be fun. I, I know. We're going to talk about a dead guy later. I know. <laughs> uh, here's some good news. Uh, the Lost Boys TV show adaptation yeah. uh, is moving forward on CW, although it has uh, gone into a, a, a section of, of turnaround. Okay. Uh, Rob Thomas, he of, of Veronica Mars fame. Yes. Uh, has been working on this. Yeah. And they're going to shoot a pilot in the fall, but they are going to have to do a little retooling on the concept. And he says it's a 40% rewrite, not a total rewrite. And 40% seems like a very mean? calculated choice of a number. Yeah. It's not 50%. No. And to me, 50% is basically 100%, right? If yeah. you're changing half the show, you're basically changing the whole show. Yeah. So he's like, oh, we're doing 40%. What does that mean? It means that Sax Guy was not available, and so they had to totally revamp it, so to speak. What do you mean, Sax Guy? <laughs> well, that's a different Sax Guy, but you know the guy like he's, he's got bulging veins and he's just blowing that sax, and, and <laughs> he's like wiggling his hips, you know, he's uh-huh. like thrusting. Yeah, and yeah. He's, and he's all oiled down. Oh my goodness! And he's got no shirt, but he's got like a bike chain or like a like a boat chain uh-huh. wrapped both sides, like He Man. Uh huh. He's just like okay, mullet. Sure. Greasy mullet. Of course. I never saw Lost Boys. Wait, what? <laughs> little Cezura in the show here. We'll go watch Lost Boys. And we're back. Okay, so. I think I've seen think the of clip Lost Boys? of the sax man, right. though. Jeez. Can't take you anywhere. I know. He's been working on this for a while. He wrote a script uh, two years ago or so, and he really wants to get this off the ground. And my thing is, like, wasn't it just perfect? The way it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like... Teen Wolf. Right. Teen Wolf. Okay. That's actually a great example, I think, of taking something that, and I have a- Was beloved. Okay. I'll do my own bit. All right. All right. It it wasn't very good. (laughs) People like Teen Wolf. It's not very good. Mm -hmm. I have uh, complicated feelings about it because it's sort of like the patron saint of my other podcast on this network, Craft Services. But I'll tell you right now, it's not a very good movie. No. But it is about- you know, something. It's about a kid and it's about puberty and it's about, it's also kind of like a, they're Jews, right? Aren't they just Jews? Oh my goodness. Uh, Sorry, they're Jewish. I didn't mean to like, careful, we're going to talk about Soldier of Orange soon. Right. Uh, Isn't It's an ethnic thing, isn't it? It's about him like not fighting against his, his familial identity and like wanting to, but then sort of embracing it, but kind of going overboard with it. I guess you could put it that Cause way. Because his dad's like, because it's not like, son, careful. Oh, I, I eviscerated the family dog. No, he's just like, yep. He's just full fur face, glasses on still. Yep, we're werewolves. <laughs> but son, you have to understand. Yeah, like, yeah. This is part of your family. This right. is part of who you are. Right. Right? Yes. It's no, more about him, like, you know, it's also about how like werewolves are, are black people, I guess, because he's good at basketball. Look, that movie oh is a mess. My God. It's a mess. Oh my god! But it's goodness. about high school. It's about changes, and it's about you yeah. know, understanding and becoming who you are. And the one guy who's taking off his pants in the last celebration scene, YouTube, clip it, YouTube it. Oh my gosh! Anyway, so it's a lot. It's a lot of those things, right? Yeah. Isn't Lost Boys is about being gay? It's about being gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's about. Okay. Like all Joel Schumacher movies, that's what it's about. <laughs> so how do you take that away? If you take 
all that Teen Wolf stuff, and you make a CW show that's still going, I think, for some reason. I, yeah, I and know. you add intrigue to it, and it's, you know, Wichita or whatever. Like, right. Okay, I can see that. But how do you take a thing that's about being gay and being Jason Patrick, uh-huh. and then it goes for eight seasons on the CW? Yeah. Because like, sexy teens and... Right. There are no women, and there's no girls in that movie. <laughs> except for uh, Jamie Gertz or whatever. That's it. Right, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And do you, do you? It's just Corey Feldman going like, no way. If you you do the TV show, you got to have ladies in it, right? Well, absolutely. You have to have romantic interest. Yeah. And not male romantic interest because we're not there. (laughs) You're not going to have like, you know what I mean? The CW thinks that they've cracked some kind of Da Vinci Code by taking all these like beloved 80s cult movies and turning them into like long running, boring, you know, teen dramas. Right. Stop! Somebody's got to stop them. Yeah. How do you, how do you stop them? How do you, you how do you make them stop? Bite their throat. Down. <laughs> Didn't hear from me. Didn't hear from me. Let's talk about uh, movies really fast. Okay. Uh, did you hear that news about J.J. Abrams maybe doing uh, Superman and Green Lantern? I did hear that news. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. Uh, do you think it would be better or worse than the films? Previous it hard, it'd be hard to do worse. Okay. Yeah, right. Hashtag release of Snyder Cut, whatever. Right. It'd be hard to do worse than they've done. Um, I don't want to see J.J. Abrams revive his flyby idea. Remember that in the late 90s, he was up along with Kevin Smith, you know, with this uh, sort of move to... Do Superman. To reinvigorate Superman before um, Singer got on there. And um, his idea was dumb. What was his um, idea? Remind it was me that like he was the Superman was like half human or something like that. Or he was like a. Oh, yeah. I think you told me. That he just changed the whole. He changed everything about the character and the origin. Right. That, that doesn't make any sense. And it's just it's just the look. I, the guy. Look, I'm not going to go after the creator, the auteur behind Gone Fishing. Like the guy definitely <laughs> has ideas for sure. But he is not. Yeah. He's not. a guy. He took like Mission Impossible and just kind of turned it into. You know, it could have been anything, blah blah, action movie, but mm-hmm. we just, it, it was just Ethan Hunt or Mission Impossible. Right. It had nothing to do with Mission Impossible. Like he's got a wife, you know, and like right. I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna kill you and your whole family, and it's like it's Sylvia, Sylvia Hoffman's the bad guy or something like that. Right. It had nothing to do with, and then we just he rips his face off, and I guess it's a Mission Impossible movie. Now you could argue that that's what the Mission Impossible series was mm-hmm. until it became successful. It was. Brian De Palma making a Brian De Palma movie that happened to have a train and a helicopter crashing into each other. Right. And then there was the Dove Apocalypse that was the second one. Oh my goodness. So JJ Abrams just happened like he did his boring JJ Abrams ugh, Spielberg light take on it and that happened to resonate the most, which I think opened the door to let people like Brad Bird and Chris McQuarrie make it into something that was really unique and Mission Impossible E. Yes. That is a word. <laughs> But he, everything sure. that he does is just so – do you like J.J. Abrams before I take a huge steaming shit on him? Not really. I mean – I feel just, like you're just there, trying to get ahead of me taking a shit on him. No. I mean there's just – there's so much There's so much lens flares, you know? Like That's not – it's not a nuanced take uh, on J.J. Okay. Abrams. You know what I did like? I, I like The Force Awakens. And yeah, it was pretty much 
Like, let's do New Hope over again. Let's yeah, do Star Wars he didn't over have again. An, he loves Star Wars. He has no ideas for no, Star Wars. But I did really enjoy that film, uh, even though it was basically a retelling of the original. All right. Well, then that's... we. You, you've you got it. You've got the virus then, too. So Uh-oh. here come the men in the big hats and the face oh, no. masks, and they're going to take a blood sample. Oh, no. He just does... He makes something that, for some reason, you like. But mm-hmm. I bet if you took two seconds, you went... Actually, it wasn't really. Rucker Howard's been in a lot more imaginative films than that. Paul Verhoeven's <laughs> made some pretty imaginative films. Yeah. But J.J. Abrams is just so. It's it's the thing that we all used to complain about. We used to complain about prepackaged, shiny, video game-like Hollywood movies. Yeah. That was like the bane of everybody's existence. We wanted like, no, something real. Right. And now he just rules the box office and can write his own ticket. And he, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Cloverfield. Empty. Yeah. Totally worthless. Right. Um, what else? I, Help me complain. I, mm, Hold my hair back. Oh, my gosh. Well, all the, the Trek films. Yeah. Don't get me started. Uh, anyway, no, I don't, I'm not excited for his Superman. I actually think he could do a good, uh, good Green Lantern, though. Okay. After all that railing. All right. Because I think Green Lantern, and I like the character. I'm not complaining about the character, but I think it's like the easiest thing to figure out. He's an alien cop. Yes. What's the problem today? Right. It's this. We've got that one. Right. Let's go to this planet. Let's go to this planet. Right. It's procedural. It's baked in. It's Mission Impossible. Right. With aliens and rings. We've got this code of conduct done. that us as Green Lanterns it's we already follow. Done. Yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah. Last item, some movie news. The Zombieland Double Tap trailer is out, moving the action of the film to Washington, D.C., is that exciting? <laughs> if you want to see them run wild over the White House and um, they... Okay. Did you like the original Zombieland? Yes, I did. Whoa, I really enjoyed she it. She liked it, everybody. She oh. liked it. Okay. D- uh, do you think there's any juice or clotted blood? Um, Perhaps some separating fluids? Gross. What's the... Uh, <laughs> what's the, what's wow. in the tank? In a zombie um, tank uh, for a uh, sequel? Um, Sometimes you really like something. Yeah. And then you leave it right there. And you leave it where it is. I like The Sacrifice Uh by Tarkovsky. The Sacrifice 2? Right. (laughs) Is that what we need? Uh, Yeah, I don't know if we... This time there's more sacrifice. I don't know if we need it. I mean, I guess I've always kind of wondered, like, like Shaun of the Walking Dead? Like that? Shaun of the Walking Dead. No. There's a bunch of people (laughs) in an RV. No, I was wrong. One of them is named Shaun. I was wrong. Sean of the Sean of the Dead. You won't I, take that tie off. All right, Sean of the Dead is is really good movie, and it ends in kind of a funny place. I mean, it's a funny, scary movie, anyways. But where you you feel like maybe there's more they could mine there, maybe. But I don't know no. if it's enough for another film. No. So I don't know if like no no Edgar Wright movie should have a sequel. Okay. They're all too well made. They're just perfect, perfect. in and of themselves. Okay. I would Hot Fuzz top five favorite movies it's a great film i would i would kill myself before i watched a hot fuzz too well i guess i was Hotter what i was fuzz. trying to get at is for zombie films do you really make a sequel is there yes there are nine seasons of the walking dead well i guess or whatever okay you're right um all right uh i i don't i haven't seen the trailer for this yet so i don't <laughs> i don't know um, well, you're missing out on. I guess I would check it out. Weed jokes. Oh yeah, you're right. And it just to me, it just seems like 
you know, you had a weird kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what if we didn't take zombies seriously? Right. I mean, as you have pointed out, it has been done. Yes. But it was their own sort of twist on it. Um, Wernick and Reese have gone on to write other funny things. And so they're clearly like a talent. Mm-hmm. But this just seems like more of the same. How do we how do we get back into this? How do yeah. we get the magic back? Insofar right. there there was really magic right. get to the, begin with. Get the team back together and or cardio. They, or they have they been together this entire time. Yeah, they've probably been together. Okay. But it's has it been ten years? Yeah, that's a good like because it's been ten years. Oh, okay. Like, right. When I like, saw Zamenland in, in, in two thousand nine, right. I wasn't like, I can't believe I have to wait ten years for a sequel to this. Yeah, I feel like that's not necessarily like a good sign, you know, when you get your sequel 10 years later. Like, what was the holdup there? Is there going to be more? Well, they all went off and did different things. Well, yeah, that's true. um, Jesse Eisenberg became, for a bright, shining moment, a star, like an A-lister for about 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, Emma Stone is still kind of on her climb. Although, isn't this is she's here at the peak, right? Is she on the way um, down now? I kind of feel like she hit the peak. With, she won that she Oscar. Was in, well, yeah, and she was in a Yorgos Lanthimos film. So Rutger Hauer has passed away. At the age of 75. Yes. Sad. Um, really sad. And too soon. I think that you had said the other day, and I agree with you, um, too young. He's way too We've young. We've got all kinds of ways to make things young. go and, <laughs> and stick around. we got all, we got Ziploc bags that keep things very fresh. Oh, my goodness. So how come a guy's dying at 75? Um, we don't know I exactly. Know. Uh, it's just an unspecified illness. Yeah. It's a uh, the short cause of illness. Death. So, yeah. So, yeah. So it's too bad. Um. And like I said before, you know, we looked and I couldn't find any reason uh, to hate this guy. <laughs> he seemed like a no. really great guy. Real, real stand-up guy. Yeah. Um, Rutger Hauer, born in 1944 in the Netherlands, really at the height of the fighting, I think, yeah. there. Uh, which, of course, is in some of uh, Verhoeven's films. Yes. Uh, because that affected him as well. He's a little older than uh, Rutger Hauer. But, yeah, I think that he had said at some point that that was a influence on him to be a pacifist. Oh, the being born during the war? Yeah. Okay, I mean, that I mean, makes sense. I mean, it's kind of poetic, yeah. I suppose. I don't know if he really remembers, like, bad going down at The Hague. Right. But, uh, yeah, just seeing that, seeing, of course, the after effects, because it affected and shattered Europe for a long time. Yeah. But definitely affected um, his outlook on that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. To the point where he had such an interesting life. Like, he did so many things in just the few like 20 short years before he got into theater and acting like he came mm-hmm. from a family who um at least his mother i think he didn't uh, really know his father very well oh okay uh, and then he like reconnected with him um i think during the filming of soldier of orange oh okay <laughs> yeah but uh the, you know he was encouraged to be creative in school and he went to like an art school um, but then he kind of like was like, no, oh, I'm going to do something else. And so he became um, like a merchant marine or like a soldier. Okay. No, not a soldier, uh, a sailor. And he worked on like a ship. Uh-huh. But he quit after like a year or so because he was colorblind. And so there was okay. no advancement for him. Like as a ship captain, you need to like, I guess, know the colors of signal flags and stuff like that. Well, I guess that makes sense. So yeah, so he wasn't. Yeah. So he left that and then like. 
I think he, I don't know. After that, he joined the army, like in the mid '60s, okay, um, as a medic. So he was like trained as a combat medic, but then he left uh, pretty soon into that because he was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna kill people," like because he, <laughs> he was a pacifist. Right. I'm like, All right. Weird. Weird choice, right? Uh, to even join the army in the first place, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was really opposed to that, and also <laughs> tells you tells you something about the um, you know chillax and mindset uh-huh. of <laughs> the Netherlands people of the Dutch. Yeah, can you just quit the army? Apparently, you you're can. just out there. You you're doing PT. You know, you're running right. with a rifle, and you're like, that's yeah, not for me. Apparently, you can, Sarge. I I don't I don't want to do this. Oh, well, that's fine. Just give me your rifle. Okay. <laughs> what well, kind of reminds Careful of the tulips on the way out. It kind of reminds me of a, a scene in uh, Soldier of Orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when Goose is doing training. Juice. Juice. Why do I always I say, it's a J sound, say isn't it wrong? It? I think you're that's right. That's how they say the end. Juice. Uh, and they they basically get him out of it somehow. Yeah. So they yeah. do. They get him out of it. I don't. I don't know if it's a doctor's note. I don't know like what it is. Like that they're like okay you can go yeah but he's got a mission oh okay a special mission yeah yeah he's gonna become a soldier right of orange (laughs) and he was married very early on in his life uh to a woman that he actually got divorced from actually around that time as well okay (laughs) so they had had a daughter uh, and then he, so this is part of my like, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to find something about this guy uh-huh. because he's got to be, everybody's bad. I'm a cynic. <laughs> and he had met somebody around the same time um, who became his wife. They dated for about 20 years and they got married. That's crazy. Uh, and that was uh, his wife until uh, until he passed. So, so a long time. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Faithful. Yeah. Although, you know, Europeans do things a little differently that this is true <laughs> where's this going i don't know why are we talking going. about these movies <laughs> i'm all alone i'm drowning here so to celebrate him we want to talk about some of his films and i thought it was a good idea to start with his first film turkish delight mm-hmm. or turk's fruit in the original <laughs> dutch apparently um, it's just so strange would you like turkish delight more if it was called turk's fruit uh no i don't think so i don't think so either although um, i feel like turkish delight as a name itself is deceptive because it's gross is it gross i don't think it's i've gross. ever actually had it it's before like what is it like it's like gelatinous okay and it's like rose i think it's rose flavored or something like okay. that it tastes like perfume basically and then it's got that like hmm. flour that powder on it oh sure no good like uh some mochi yeah, that yeah, yeah. has like that on it. Yeah. Um, I like rose flavored tea. Oh, okay. Well, maybe. So I don't know. Give but it if it really tastes like soap, Eat I probably wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. I know, right? What did you what did you have any expect, uh, expectations for this film? What you what do you think was gonna happen here? Um I I, I didn't really have a whole lot of expectations. When I when I read about uh I read a couple articles about Rucker Hauer um uh, as you know, talking about his passing and his work that he's done. And uh, so I, I heard uh, that he was naked for about half of this film. <laughs> and you're like, let's do Turk's fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's and, and, emphasis and then, on the fruit. Right. And then I also heard he was a sculptor. So um, those things are both correct. But um, <laughs> that article did not lie. No, that article check, did not lie. Check. Um, yeah. But, well, he, you know, he was naked with the actress who played Olga. I just think that it's 
is it Paul Verhoeven or I guess how many Dutch movies have I seen? I don't know. Uh, is it a Dutch? I don't know. Is it a European thing, or is it a Verhoeven thing? Because we've we've got one one part of this Venn diagram. Yeah, is a boob. <laughs> They're actually both boobs. Right. But instead of like crossing over, they just smash into each other. Right. <laughs> That's the Venn diagram we're describing here. Uh, it's probably a little of column A and a lot of column B. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of Paul Verhoeven's over. And I think just about over. over. It's over, underdone. Over. Okay. Um, uh, I think just about every film he has boobs in it. Yeah. That's. That's the column B. Okay. Uh, here's what happens in the movie. He's a sculptor. He's a real gigolo man. Uh, we are introduced to him and his O-face as he's yeah. jerking off over a picture. Uh, yeah. And he's boning every lady in town. We rewind two years. And it's kind of like love story, uh, sort of, mm-hmm. um, crossed with, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a love story-esque kind of thing. A love story actually came out. I think maybe two years before. Okay. So it's, um, yeah, it's a story of how he meets this woman. They fall in love, get married. Um, their relationship, she tames him, but not really. But right. he sort of settles down. Um, they have a falling out. Uh, their relationship falls apart. They get back together again. And then, oops, brain cancer and she's dead. Spoilers for yeah. Turkish Delight. For yeah. Guy. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Love Story meets Sid and Nancy divided by Annie Hall a little bit. Yeah. She goes to Hollywood uh, in, the, in the third reel. But, right. Yeah, and that's not, I guess I didn't know what to expect at all. And uh, I was not disappointed because this movie delivered something that I, I could not have expected. Uh, it's based mm-hmm. on a book. Uh, as a lot of, um, I think we're discovering, a lot of Verhoeven's um, work, at least in uh, his native land, uh, is based on books uh, adapted from other stuff. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's, the book is semi or somewhat autobiographical uh, about a guy who was like, an, I think he was an artist or like a writer. I don't know if, know if he was a sculptor. Sure. But yeah, and his tumultuous relationship with this woman. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a, what you call it, a comedy? It's a tragic, tragic, well, uh, yeah. tragic drama, tragic comedy. Right. Comedic elements, dramatic elements, romantic elements. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely comedic moments. Um, yeah. But there's some kind of serious stuff too. Like even when they they first meet, they they have like a, a there was a car accident. It's weirdly serious. It is because it could have been if you imagine like if this was uh, bounce, Ben Affleck, Gwyneth Paltrow, wow. they would have some kind of thing where she hits her head, and it's like oh, and they had to go to the hospital. But it becomes like a weird or like a Sandra Bullock movie. Like literally starts with her pulling a guy off a subway track right it's like that is i guess a tense moment but it's not a tense movie no it's not but this movie does veer into these like it opens with him fantasizing during this period where he's apart from uh, olga Mm -hmm. um murdering her and it's brutal like her new lover yeah brutal verhoven clearly did you know wanted you to be shocked by that but it's he's not a murderer and no should we talk about the fact that there are a lot of things that are not exactly magically real but aren't aren't exactly reality there are like imaginings or hallucinations Mm -hmm. or and it's mostly from the point of view of eric this this character yeah i don't know if it's supposed to say that he's an uh, an artist and he is seeing things from like a different kind of perspective but there are many things that happen in this and there's even sort of like um sort of subjective staging of certain scenes where you're like this isn't really happening this is like a 
an elevated reality that mm-hmm. she was experiencing for one reason or another. Right. Is that the impression that you got? Um. But like the Chinese restaurant scene. Oh yeah. Um. That was kind of weird. Um. I. I mean. I don't know if we're supposed to get from that scene that Olga had been cheating on with him on not with him, uh, on him for a while, or if that just kind of happened in the restaurant and. I think you've mentioned before that sometimes it seems like Eric's the only one who witnesses these things. Yeah. And that maybe is another time, but yet everybody at the table who is all the other characters in the film, they, they start kind of humming the, the marriage March. Yeah. Which is like, why would you do that when her husband who's Eric is there Yeah, and he's sitting at the table if, and if you didn't see them, didn't see him like groping her and then like them kissing why would you have done that right but you get the idea that and i think that eric has always felt it's his fault like he spent his whole life being a rebel and you know busting heads jumping out in and on bed and he's never felt at home in this family and now he really is on the outside because they all yeah. know they seem to know something he doesn't that olga has this other lover yeah um and i think i mean he just he like literally falls ill <laughs> like which is kind of like it's it's a little surreal again i feel like in some ways yes he pukes vociferously yes if you can puke like that mm-hmm. um ferociously uh that's just one of a selection of bodily fluids oh yes i think they hit every fluid in the human body except for the stuff that's in your eye although there is a disembodied eye in the film there is there's no uh aqueous or vitreous humor in this no but there is every other kind of bodily fluid Mm -hmm. including up to and including uh water uterine water that a dog drinks yes yes that's something that happened and i just said yeah in this film yeah i I know there's a lot of it's kind of a gross film it's a gross film but you know i think verhoeven does some, some gross films and that's fine that's fine it's fine it's (laughs) fine but it's not erotic unless the dutch something's in that weed that they have a different idea about what erotic is right right? like he's not supposed i mean first of all he's a 25 year old rucker hauer so eroticism plugged in right comes in the box right but he's so gross and he Mm -hmm. wants to like Lick your butt after you take a poop. And yes. He, that's, he's supposed to be extra, extra, right? And he is. This isn't like, you wouldn't go to like the Netherlands and people are like, hottest movie. You've seen Basic Instinct? To keep your Basic Instinct. <laughs> hottest film I've ever seen. Right? Right? Yeah, I, I think I read think that so. people did, like, he had a lot of trouble getting it made because like, whatever passes for their MPAA is like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? I think the biggest objection was some of the religious stuff. Oh, sure. Um, the fact that he says that he screws better than God, like that really pissed off his father in particular. Rehoboam's oh. dad was like, well, I'm not coming to this. Well, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, good, good move, dad. Right. Have you ever seen a single one of your son's films? Yeah. Because it gets better from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't know what it was trying to say. Like it clearly, you know, this is like 1972 and it's Europe. So they're catching the the tail end of this summer of love kind of wave you know i think if you made a movie like this in the 70s it's getting more 
you know, Bob and Carol and Alice and whatever it is, like it's getting more sort of rote, the idea of like this sort of sexual liberation. It's starting to kind of bounce back, but maybe in still on the continent, it was still right. going. Right. So he's like this cool dude and he doesn't have a problem getting laid when he goes on no. a spree, you know, when he's uh, after he breaks up with Olga. Yeah. Uh, they're just coming home with him. Everything's he, fine. And he he he's like, OK, he's gross, but he's also like weirdly hot. And, like, he will do just the most inane things to get girls to come home with him. Right. Like, and, and we just, it, it's like this montage. Yeah. And, and we, like, there's this one lady who's in, like, a phone booth and he, like, makes a kissy face and, like, draws a heart on the phone booth and then she's home Bam, with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just weird. And he, like, literally hops in the back seat with a gun, girl, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so he tried to carjack me. i got to blow this guy. Right? Yeah. It's weird. Well, it's a movie. I know. It, it's a weird movie. But they're trying to paint him as like, oh, it seems like it's going he's pretty a good. I think, are we yeah. supposed to admire him? Or, I mean, we do see that he's being self-destructive, but the movie doesn't paint it that way. The movie's no. like, this is pretty cool, right? Right. Look at this guy. I know. It's nuts. He he, he, he blinks and he gets laid. <laughs> so. We got to peel his eyes open. <laughs> yeah. Ludovico technique. Or everybody's yeah. going to get pregnant. Exactly. <laughs> um. Well, uh, yeah, something that um, I wanted to say, uh, there's more juice in this fruit, but um, juicy fruit, but there's a specific, several specific references to condoms. Yeah. And well, you know, Verhoeven is all about having sex. He's very open about that in his films. But I feel like there's a responsibility that is inherent in some of the stuff that he presents because... Yes, this guy's going all around town and he's got a book, you know, of 50, 50 first dates, so to yeah. speak. But there's like condoms and they talk about like, you know, being safe and stuff like that. Yeah. And when and it's actually, like, that's was... really progressive for a movie about a guy who's like, oh, eat the poop out of your butt. It's right. Like, what? Well, even when him and <laughs> Olga like first meet and they're having sex, like in the middle of having sex, she's like, don't make me pregnant. Right. And he... Great. Good stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. (laughs) You push that explicit tag so far, probably. Um, So anyway, did you hear about the one uh, with the two guys that went to Paris? Uh, Right. Yeah. They never went. And I never got that joke. I I never did either. I just got that it was probably a a dad joke. You know, it was it was a bad dad joke. But dad jokes literally are dad jokes because they are too simple in their construction. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So how does how does that fit in there? I don't know. Is it that the, are they are the guys gay? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, there's two guys in a joke. I just figured they were gay. Yeah, Maybe I that don't says know. More about me. <laughs> they, they 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 never went. What's the joke? Maybe it's oh maybe it's a translation thing. Maybe there's something about oh, you know the the words the actual words that you know. Are funny and and but they Dutch. mean like they they maybe they went to something you know it's like if if between between like the Spanish joke like maybe the words in Dutch rhyme or mean something we're way overthinking it it doesn't matter <laughs> although I think that this movie if you are willing to submerge yourself in the um, sea of poop and boobs yes uh, you <laughs> will get you will find that there is a lot to think about um, I find myself thinking about like that character and. Him being presented as this sort of free spirit, but also it's a tale, I think, of maturation in that I kind of wish that we got like 10 more, not 10 more minutes, but maybe like five more minutes of him living a life after she dies. Oh, Because it's really yeah, sprung on us. I see what you're saying. She comes back. 
There's yes. about 12 minutes left in the movie. Uh, oh, I've got cancer. Uh, and she's Brain dead. Brain cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, actually happened to the author. Um, this is based on, like I said, the relationship that he had with this woman, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. She didn't die, but he had had a friend that had died suddenly of brain cancer. And so he's like, oh, that seems like maybe a good like end for this film, like to just get this character out of there. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to see like what he learns because it ends on this like melancholy note. Yeah. He makes this statue, which represents this kind of nurturing thing. It's literally a mother with a child, yes. something that has no place in his life. Right. Because he's both a gigolo and he's rubbered up the entire time. But now that's something that he maybe now wants, but will never have. And so right. it's like this ironic thing. I get that, you know, and then there's like flashes of like, he's an artist and he, so he cares about like art and mythology. And at one point he mentions Persephone and she's like, oh, what's that? And he explains, oh, it's like the myth of Persephone who there's like a death and sort of a, a decay, you know, six months of winter or right. whatever sort of built into that. And when he, he puts some leaves on her and when he pulls the leaves away, there's maggots. Yes. Maggots on boobs. Right. That's the Paul Verhoeven way. <laughs> so there's like, yeah, okay, okay. But then also there's a scene where we have to check her poop and make sure. Oh, it's Beats. It's just I, Beats. I know, right? There's literally a Portlandia sketch in this movie. I know. <laughs> but I feel like they had to throw like cancer in there a couple of times just to, you know, float that possibility and show that she's really genuinely terrified of getting cancer and then she actually does yeah but she apparently she didn't uh so what what was he trying to say it's just like death comes for you whether you're worried or not i guess if you're worried about brain cancer there's nothing you can do yeah use your cell phone less but they didn't have cell phones no no do we want to talk about the rape i kind of think we have to there's a kind Um, of preponderance of rape in in some of these movies yeah um and can i coin a term that we should probably destroy this podcast so nobody hears oh sure i call it european rape Uh (laughs) uh-oh no it's just rape Uh oh it's just rape yeah but i feel like i feel like uh 60s 70s uh european filmmakers you get these scenes where the woman's like no no i don't want to know and it's like oh i'm gonna do it anyway and later on it's like why'd you do that rape you why did he rape you right but the movie and those movies and those filmmakers just go it's just you know this is something that happens i guess she wasn't uh, into it you pointed this out when you watched uh rosemary's baby uh where john cassavetes is like yeah well i know you were passed out but (laughs) i guess i'm rare i gotta get my claws filed down i know and it's like it's like you that was rape that was rape i mean it wasn't you (laughs) but right but yeah so even more so. It's in just that this case, casual, but... yeah. But of course, you know, Polanski's troubling. It's already a problem. Yeah, problematic. Let's not read Paul Verhoeven's Wikipedia page. I just can't handle it right okay. now. Okay. <laughs> Any last thoughts about the film? Um. Well, despite that that scene, I did like it. Um. I I think that uh, it it showed um an interesting uh, relationship between two passionate impulsive people um and uh i mean he he even says at one point like it can't be over this quickly i like he didn't believe it and yeah. like and you know there's part of me that was like yeah it can't be over this quickly like you know he well he he slaps her when he sees her with another guy which is not great but and he kind of like leaves in a huff and then she just like calls and says i'm not coming home and that's like it yeah i there's a infantilization of the of olga that i think is kind of weird and again i don't know if it's 
the 70s or if it's the European thing that we mentioned. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to indict anybody, but it's important that this movie show. I mean, they literally mentioned that she's underage. Now, I don't know if they're just right. saying she's too young or if she's legally underage. Right. And I also don't know what the age of consent is. I think it's pretty low in Denmark. So how old is Olga? Right. Uh, she loves Dora the Explorer. Can't wait for that movie oh, to come it. out. But... I mean, she's old enough to drive, but yeah. then I don't know what that age is yeah, in another I think ones either. We're going to give them, I think, the benefit of the doubt. But she sucks her thumb. That's and so true. it's... And and it's funny because like I don't think that she's necessarily she's kind of a you know flowered child wild child like he is and innocent, but it's not like she can't do anything by herself, right? It's not like she's like right totally infantilized in her behavior. But that's kind of an interesting. But it's really thing important that, that the movie up. it you know it positions him as I don't know what Verhoeven's idea of um, a, a relationship is. It it just positions him as like the man and the the sort of father slash you know boyfriend husband or whatever mm-hmm. i don't know why she sucks her thumb so much i don't know why either but she does live at home with her family and like if she's not with him she's with another man so does she have are they trying to present codependency with her with that character um that well, she can't be independent and live on her own or take care of herself are that is that what the Verhoeven's trying to say? She's she's this, this is a secondary characterization. She is a secondary character to the main character. Sure. Um, I won't say that Eric is like very f- detail drawn, but right. he is definite. The whole point is he's a guy who doesn't care about this stuff. He's gonna complain about this horse's eye in his stew or whatever was going on there. Right. And he finds somebody that he is willing to commit to, but because he's a protagonist and we need conflict she decides that she doesn't want to be with him do you know what i mean yeah and we don't we're not seeing it from her point of view right although i would guess i would challenge verhoeven if he had an idea or the guy or the jerk that wrote the book apparently the guy that wrote the book loved everything that verhoeven did except he hated he's like the guy's too abusive like why is he always like throwing her around and throwing her down in the bed and like yelling at her about stuff and mm-hmm. threatening to leave her I don't like that part. And then somebody interviewed the the guy's wife or girlfriend that it was based on. And she's like, he's totally like that. It's perfect. It's exactly what he's like. I should mention that Olga was played by um, the wife of, she was the wife of Jan DeBont, the cinematographer for this film. Okay. And all three of these films, I believe. Okay. Who worked a lot with uh, him, uh, with Verhoeven in the Netherlands. And then, of course, came over here and became a, a cinematographer here. Did... Twister and Speed and was a director in his own right. Very cool. Yeah. Um, that's it. That, that's kind of cool. Uh, I did not realize that's that connection. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you recommend it? Um, I would actually recommend it. Yeah. You're, you're making a face at me. You don't think I should recommend it? No, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> um, I guess I would tangentially recommend it, except that doesn't make any sense. Uh, uh, I would recommend it, except you know, fair warning for for the rape scene. I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe that's too harsh. I don't think that Verhoeven's one of your favorite directors. If that's going to be a problem. <laughs> I do like Verhoeven, though. Um, well, it's not about you. You're giving a recommendation. I would yeah. not recommend this. Oh, really? <laughs> nope. I don't. It's fine. It's fine. And it is. I think. Adjusted for inflation, still the highest grossing Dutch film uh, to date. Um, That's weird. Definitely in 
the Netherlands. I'm not sure if that applies to outside of the Netherlands, but as far as like Dutch people going to Dutch movies, this is their Casablanca. You know what I mean? This is like, this is their Gone with the Wind. Right. Which is kind of crazy. Says a lot. Yeah, it does. I mean, our Gone with the Wind is about the Civil War and slavery, so I guess it says a lot about us too. I guess it does. Anyway, moving on to another movie about war. It's called Soldier of Orange. Yes. Little different, this one. Mm -hmm. Also based on a real life event occurrence the character he plays is uh slightly fictional named eric lanshoff but it's based on the real guy eric hazelhoff rolls zema or rolf zema um what'd you think of this film Um, i guess we'll just say that because there's a lot of details to get into about this film yeah it's kind of intermission Uh, it does i thought it was uh, a pretty well put together world war ii film um i would uh I'm trying to think of like other World War II films that I like. Um, I, I mean, I like the the miniseries Band of Brothers, but I mean, it's 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 different from that. But um, I I think it uh, is similar in that it follows this group of like five or six guys who start the film and they're in college and they're getting hazed, and then it kind of follows them throughout the war and the various roles that they play. Um, so I think it was kind of interesting. It's very Tolkien. It is, actually. <laughs> it kind of feels like that. <laughs> Eric um, got to th- think about his whole life before he soldiers of oranges. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought it was a really good World War II film. Um, I, I like that it followed a, a group of five to six guys uh, throughout the film and their various roles that they played during World War II. Um, and I... And I know it's based on a true story, but I think it's really interesting, like that they all played kind of very different roles. If you're writing this and it's based on your life, like is the guy who's a traitor, like <laughs> he's the, the actual guy? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you I... change the names, I guess, but right. like, what <laughs> if, if is the guy? Do you make the guy more weaselly? Do you know what I mean? Like, and he always yeah. like farted and made us smell it, and <laughs> <laughs> because I would say, I mean, he is the sort of quizzling figure, but I'd say that the guy that betrays them is, you understand, it's sympathetic. I mean, you understand yeah. kind of why he's doing it. Right. Uh, he gets what he deserves. But. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, Yeah, that was something that, I mean, far and away, Rucker Hauer is the star of this film. Absolutely. And he's great in it. And it's great to finally see him play a good person. Yes. <laughs> like he really is, uh, the only thing that it, you could say about him is that he's kind of a reluctant hero, but he's still... You know, absolutely the hero of this film. Mm-hmm. But then so are many of the people who are in it as well. Um, uh, Jerome Crabb plays um, Juice, his in his friend. Yes. Uh, who's another guy who is like a character actor. Like, if you need a guy who's going to come in with his hair slicked back mm-hmm. and he's wearing a brown uh, twill three-piece suit. Right. And this guy, he's got some money. Right. <laughs> That's this guy. <laughs> uh, he was in a lot of movies in the 80s playing that guy. Yes. Um, most notably, uh, he played uh, Yorgi Koskov, the uh, KGB defector in The Living Daylights. Okay. One of my favorite Bond movies. Uh, yeah, he's in it. Uh, Derek DeLint in, is in, uh, in it as well. And he plays the character of Eric, the guy who... Um, goes full nazi never go full nazi right and that guy actually read for the main role really verhoven didn't want uh uh, rucker hauer for the main role i'm not sure why i think he just thought that he wasn't right for it uh and then he had eric reed or the um derek delint uh, read and a 
couldn't make it work and so just was like okay guess we'll use him right it's funny because he didn't want him for this the movie we're going to talk about flesh and blood he didn't want for um that movie either because he thought he couldn't get him he thought he was like sure too big right um because at this point, Rucker Hauer had been in Blade Runner and he'd been in Nighthawks and a couple right. of American films. And so right. he was like, no, no, I don't want Mr. Hollywood. But that's how it turned out. But yeah, um, it's uh, – God, who else is in this movie? Um, there's a character um, played by Dolph DeVries, uh, the character of Jack, mm-hmm. who's the one guy who's like just <laughs> – doesn't do anything. <laughs> they right. all go off like yeah. one guy is killed for being a Jew. Right. One guy's uh tortured to death. Yes. Another guy, you know, betrays everybody. And there's one guy who's just like, hey, I got some tea. <laughs> He's just <laughs> still there at the end of the war. Yes. The Jason Sudeikis looking guy. Right. I don't know. I think he looks like Jason Sudeikis for some reason. <laughs> um, that's played by Dolph DeVries, who's a guy who has been in a couple other Verhoeven movies. He actually played uh, the family lawyer in Black Book. Okay, sure. Uh, the lawyer for the family. And he's a composer as well. Interesting. Yeah. But um, I felt like this was kind of like Black Book Begins. Yeah. And and it also, interestingly enough, has a color in its name. Just. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that this is a, a better film than Black Book. I think it's yeah. I think it's stronger. I think. Um, There's no climactic candy eating scene. <laughs> no, there isn't. Like there isn't Black Book. Yeah. Um, and I, Turkish I I really really wanted to like Black Book. I I think <laughs> that the story kind of meandered and took a lot of turns. There were a lot of twists. Yeah. And I I don't know if all the twists made it unbelievable or if it was just kind of like here's another twist and here's another twist. You know and like. Um, you know, her, I guess, identity or what have you. Well, they're different in the way that you're right. Like they both, you can tell that this. Yes. And I could also tell that Turkish Delight was based on a novel in that things would happen in them kind of with a pacing that felt like if this was just, I kind of liked where we were going there. Like, wouldn't that, it didn't necessarily organically move from scene to scene. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was just like, now this is going to happen because this is what happens in the book. Mm-hmm. So like when they go on their raid, you know, in the second half of the movie and they, it fails and they come right. back and the queen is like, we'll never do that again. It's like, that's a weird thing for a queen to proclaim unless it's part of the book. And also to explain why the, Dutch like didn't have a lot of like intelligence Secret operations or, going on, right. you know, or like overseas big operations, moti- um, um, what, what do you call it, mobilizations? Sure. Uh, during the war, it just felt like, oh, we're following the points on this outline of what what happened in real life. Yeah. You get that in this movie. Yeah. Although I think this movie um, connects those events with charm in a better way than Black Book does. Mm-hmm. Whereas Black Book tries to turn every new scene or new historical thing into some kind of, like you said, twist. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, now the guy betrays us. And so we go to the prison and everybody gets mowed down. But then right. it's like, well, wow, that's crazy. But then the next thing is like, oh, this guy, you know, turns, he's a traitor too. So right? He, he, like how many traitors are in this Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Everybody's, everybody's a traitor uh, yeah. betraying each other. So, yeah, this just felt more like um, like a, you know, a historical epic, basically. Yeah. Which it is. I, I would agree <laughs> with that. Like it feels like that. Right. Um, and they, 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 they do escape and then they feel like they're safe and then they kind of get pulled back in because, like you said, they, they get um, 
what's the word? Um, recruited to be part of the 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 do some British secret intelligence. Yeah, sort of thing. Um, I didn't look it up, so I don't know. But I would guess that none of this was shot in England. I I think you're probably right about <laughs> right? that. Yeah, like when they meet the. Hmm, how droll, like a uh, British general right. and the uh, British aide-de-camp, uh, Susan or whatever her name is. Yeah. Uh, those are Dutch actors, right? Probably. And they're just dubbed. Probably. Everybody's dubbed. Really? Well, I, I mean, yeah, even when um, Rucker Hauer, who I'm sure could speak English uh, he was fluently dubbed? at that time. Yeah. Well, Almost all the lines were in yard. Yeah, because oh. probably just, you know, because it's an old movie and that happens. But, huh. Okay. Yeah, so, but I had a feeling that, like, I don't know, I feel like I'm getting good at seeing, like, Dutch faces, or specifically the kinds of faces that Paul Verhoeven likes on women, <laughs> because Olga looks kind of like Susan, looks yeah. kind of like um, uh, Melisandre yes. from Game of Thrones. Right, the, and the it, lady from Black Book. And I'm sure yeah. that the Dutch genetic pool is bigger than that. I, I, but I, I think, think you're right. But I think there's, uh, yeah, a certain um, type that uh, Verhoeven likes. Fair skin, yeah. kind of fairish Slightly hair. Slightly apple-cheeked. Yes. Yeah, that sort of look. Like delicate features. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that just, I think, I like this. This might be one of my um, favorite films that we've seen. Like, really? Not counting, like, Robocop. You know, <laughs> of course Or Total not. Recall. But of his yeah. uh, Dutch stuff, I think I really enjoyed this film. Okay. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it, too. Um, I would recommend it. Yeah, I think I would, too. Yeah. Favorite part? Um, probably seeing them doing, like, the spy stuff, but then it goes, like, horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, just seeing... Um, What's his What's his name? Like betray them, Robbie. Um, betray. The Bill Paxton guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He like literally like shoots up a flare, and then the Nazis come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it's like, geez, like I know you're doing, you're working with the Nazis to, you know, for self preservation and to keep Esther out of the camps and stuff. But wow, you really have no problem betraying your friends at least seems that way anyways plus why does he think that he's not gonna there's like 50 guys with like mgs like why does he think that he's not gonna he's a blonde-headed guy in a tux on a beach too i know what cut, if somebody like half like everybody else yeah somebody accidentally shoots him yeah yeah he was just didn't think that through no he was just but it's all for esther i guess yeah right who by the way just you know a pair of boobs on legs right <laughs> No real character. No, no real character. Her like, character seat, Jewish, has boobs. That's it. <laughs> sleeps with Rucker Howard. <laughs> For some reason. Right. Like, yeah. he's all, he even, in, this just to show how good of a person he is in this film. He's like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> he gets consent. Yes. To offset flesh and blood from yes. 1985. Right. Paul Verhoeven's first American movie made through Orion Pictures. Yes. Oh, boy. You see those little stars come out, make that little circle. <sighs> you knew something was something was going to happen. Are you saying Orion Pictures were good? They or were the were new you... line cinema of the 80s. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They, they took chances on stuff. There's a lot of like uh, really great Orion movies. A lot of really bad Orion movies. Okay. But so it's always going to be interesting. Yeah. Not quite, you know, canon films, but... <laughs> 
I, I don't think anybody's quite Getting canon films there. besides you canon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1985 starring, of course, Rutger Hauer, mm-hmm. also Brian James. And everybody talks about how Rutger Hauer played a character in Blade Runner who died in 2019 and then he dies yes. in 2019. Yes. But did you know that he plays a character who has a sidekick played by Brian James in Blade Runner. And then in this movie, his sidekick is played by Brian James. <laughs> That's weird. Mind explosion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's in it. Uh, Brian James, of course, um, Leon from uh, Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Yeah. The, let me tell you about my mother. You know that guy? <laughs> uh, J. Jason Lee is in it, of course. Yes. Um, Bruno Kirby's in it? I know. <laughs> Bruno Kirby's in it? And he, like, doesn't, like, try to change his accent at all. And no, they're he's like, like, hey, I'm in the Middle Ages here. In Europe. Western <laughs> I'm in, Europe. I'm in Europe. <laughs> Western Europe. Yeah. I just, like, coming down off of Godfather 2, I guess. And I guess. He's, like, he's just going to be in flesh and blood. <laughs> I know. What, Harry Met Sally was next year, wasn't it? Gosh, I don't know. So what he's you're, like probably, and he's already been in Spinal Tap. So, yes, I can, because Frank Sinatra says it's okay. <laughs> so he's already a thing. Yeah. So now my question is, why would he take seventh fiddle in this, in this film? European production by a guy who was like, he's hot, right? He's coming out of like, oh, this Dutch filmmakers coming out here. Yes. He's gonna make these movies. But he wasn't quite. Paul Verhoeven. No, yet. this is his first one. Yeah. And it was a disaster. Yeah. It was so a disaster. So why did he say it? Yeah, I don't know. This is the movie that the last movie that he, uh, Verhoeven and Rucker Hauer worked on together because they swore off working together after this. Yeah. Because they argued so bitterly throughout the film. And they argued so much that the crew uh, basically like t- told them they could argue, but they had to do it in English. So everybody would understand what it was about. <laughs> so crazy. Apparently there's blah, 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 going back and forth, but most I would of the crew know it was, about was uh, or English. Yeah. Yeah. Or spoke English. Uh, it was also, there was an Italian crew, I think as well, because they were filming there. Um, maybe a Spanish crew. It, there was a many different crews working on this. It was a chaotic production. Um, a lot of the scenes, we'll talk about this in a second. There's just technical details, but a lot of the scenes are sort of have a loose sort of improv feel and are very chaotic themselves. Mm-hmm. And apparently as you're watching it, you're going, everybody's just all screaming at the top of their lungs. Doesn't this feel like it's all ad-libbed? It yeah. was. Right. And many of the actors, maybe Bruno Kirby, uh, <laughs> wanted to take advantage of that by sort of making sure that they were, you know, in, in the center of the frame. And so I think they called it like flesh and blood and elbows on set because uh, many of the people were trying to be like, whoa, I'm the craziest. Look at me. <laughs> That's got to be so distracting. For, it must have been exhausting. For the other actors. It must yeah. have been exhausting. And then like also as Verhoeven, like what do you focus on? Like I guess you try to focus on like the main thing that's you happening You focus on the movie you. that you wanted to make that is not this film. Right. And that centers on Jennifer Jason Lee, who, by the way, a couple years ago, not bad, not bad, sitting by a pool in California mm-hmm. <laughs> making a movie about mm-hmm. uh, Fast Times or whatever. Right. And now you are freezing your ass off. Uh, completely naked in an Italian castle. Your yeah. hands and feet are blue. And you're like, what did I do? I know, what right? What did I do? Yeah. Did Amy Heckerling curse me? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, I certainly hope that. What happened was that Rebecca De Mornay was basically lined up to play her role okay. in this film. Agnes. Agnes, yeah. yeah. And she was pretty hot back then, right? Coming off a of Risky Business. Mm-hmm. And she had one stipulation that Tom Cruise, her boyfriend and co-star from Risky Business, would right. be allowed to play 
Steven, the male love interest. Yes. And Verhoeven's like, no, no, <laughs> this is pre-Top Gun. In a year, he would have said yes. Yeah, right. Uh, at this point, all we've got is legend, though, right? Which is kind of similar to this in a way. Yeah. That's a little more fantasy than this is. Yeah. But. It, yeah. I think he would have been fine as Steven, but I think yeah. the movie would have had to totally change because Steven yeah. is the third or fourth protagonist. He's really not that important. And I think it hurts the story. But anyway, he would have been fine, but we weren't going to get that guy. And so instead they're like, well, what do you got? And the studio is like, we got this Jennifer Jason Lee. Great. Right. But once they got her in, they said, hey, we want a love story. The movie was right. originally going to be about the relationship between... Uh, Martin, the character played by the mercenary, played by Rutger Hauer, yes. and Hawkwood, um, his sort of mercenary captain who betrays him. And it was, yes. Verhoeven would tell the story about, you know, these two men who, you see this in his, some of his other work, like who, one betrays the other and like good and evil sort of pushing and pulling. Mm -hmm. And instead it was, um, oh, show me how to have sex. Voice of Bart Simpson. <laughs> I didn't realize that actress was the voice of Bart Simpson. Yardley Smith. Okay. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> interesting little tidbit there um well i've done a lot of the work for you uh, in 50 words or less what happens in this movie <laughs> um well Rape! yeah i know I'll, we'll get to that um it it starts out uh there's this group of mercenaries and they're basically helping uh this lord regain his this is not going to be 50 words uh, okay they're helping this lord regain his mercenaries yeah hired get screwed over yes Go into business for themselves. Okay. Kidnap a princess. Yes. Piss off her betrothed and, and his, his father. father. Yeah. And have a Home Alone standoff. Yes. In the castle at mm -hmm. the end. And mm -hmm. their fellowship is torn apart by jealousy and greed. And the plague. <laughs> and the bubonic plague. Yes. And Jerry Mathers as the bubonic plague. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. Does the chaos that I've described come across on the screen? Does, does it times, seem like anybody yes. knew what they were doing in this movie? <laughs> no, I, I I mean I think we're we're lucky that there there actually is like a a story. Animals drinking bodily fluids. Put it on the list. I know, right? Ding. Yeah. Well, like the 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 doctor is like at one point like what what's his name? Uh, Nighthawk, the captain of the Hawkwood? mercenary Hawkwood thank you he he gets the bubonic plague and um he's like well I'm just gonna bleed him because that's what you do and then he dumps the blood and he doesn't like bury it or anything and then the dog just licks it up um and that's I guess how dogs... they know no about microorganisms I guess not but Stephen does because he went to school in Vienna or something like that. And so know. he's like a little Leonardo da Vinci coming yeah. back, making his little flywheels and gears and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he's a scientist. Yeah. What they must have got a great deal on prop barrels for this. <laughs> yeah. I think There's you're about right. three different scenes where a giant barrel that like a man could fit in yes. uh, is employed to some effect. Yes, exactly. There's also a scene with a tank. Yeah, a they wooden make, tank with horses in it. A medieval tank? Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of impressive. And then it has this mechanical mechanism in it that creates like this ladder that goes up the walls of the castle. Which is clearly just a Italian fire truck. <laughs> yeah. With some wood glued on it. But, right. But that actor is still climbing up on that thing. And I know. And he's like 40 feet up 
on this castle. I know. Also, this is another point that I wanted to make. I think, I think Rucker Howard did a lot of his own stunts, which, uh, okay, yeah. you're, you're Turk's fruit. Uh, you got to put some pants on and you're going to do a little like uh front somersault, you know, into somebody's bed or something fine. Right. Right. But then in soldier of orange, he's like jumping off of like dykes. Uh, I mean, you know, he's dropping off of uh, dams, walls. Yes. I know. What you're <laughs> saying. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's Holland. Uh, and he's like doing f- front flips and he's getting punched around. And in this movie, he's like getting thrown down wells and he's, yes. he's jumping off of walls. And mm-hmm. even the guy that plays Steven, I felt bad for because they put that collar on him that and he's collar. getting dragged around. Yeah. And you can see that the collar is, I mean, he could slip his head out of it, but there's just a lot of, he's fallen out of the trees and a lot yes. of people are like, I feel like the, nobody called, nobody paid for any stunt people in this film. Do you know what I mean? It, it doesn't look like it. No. Uh, and uh, that's a little disconcerting to say the least. I have to say this for Wrecker Hauer, in addition to being a great guy, it was um, professional because, except for the arguing, <laughs> yeah. because he, I think, was also sold a different movie, which was something more heroic. He it was mm-hmm. he really, after playing all these terrorists and like villains in these American movies, he really yeah. wanted a movie that would show his heroic side, even if it was anti-heroic you know trying to pay back this guy who's who screwed him over right and then we get like it's a rape party like we get this i know and that's my (laughs) biggest issue with this film well yeah but like and so i think that was a big source of the disagreement between him and verhoven to the point where i think it really hurt the movie i think that there is and I, i think there is an idea in what the original idea was i think there's something there Mm mm-hmm I also think there is something in a so- put a sword in Eric the Turkfruit's hand, and it's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. He meets a woman who that, that's true, yeah, loves him in her own way, but isn't fully committed to him, and he sort of yes. dashes himself on the rocks of this girl. It's kind of the same story. No, you're right. It is. It's it's very similar. And they both kind of walk away at the end. Yeah, and the, but the weird thing about Agnes in this film is you're not entirely like sure if she's committed to martin or steven yeah you know and well the the funny thing is and i don't think verhoeven could ever understand or try to communicate this reading but that's what a victimized woman does right verhoeven's trying to play it like she's an innocent but she's got a dark streak in her so when she's gang raped she (laughs) anything that comes after that should you know but she's like trying to take the power back in the scene she is but it's like yeah but that's what a woman who is terrified for her life will be like oh i like this so you won't hurt or victimize me more right right but that's she's not how they're trying playing to play it. the upper they're hand they're playing it like she is being seduced into i could live this crazy life where we just you know jump around on banquet tables and, and take and over castles take over and, castles yeah. yeah which is like uh, I'm, I'm not saying first of all very complicated from a sexual political perspective yeah but i'm not saying convince me but the movie doesn't no it doesn't no um and you know i think that hang that hangs over the movie um and and it's like this entire group of people like helps rape her and it's it's very traumatizing and um i think i actually turned to you while we were watching it and was like is this actually happening because you bet your life yeah i know i know it's it's 
it's problematic because you, you spetters right should have watched spetters we should have watched spetters um but you you do want to like Rucker Howard and I think you you do like Martin you do like him in well, spite of this I think I just like Rucker Howard well okay I guess I just like it's Rucker it's Howard just too. it's amazing to think about the movie that could have been not because it would have been great but just how different it is you know the, that bathtub right. is like yes. the central part of the thing like there's yes. that bathtub there's the one um again you have to think about the what's actually going on you know in the movie but like if you forget about that like it's kind of kind of a hot scene mm-hmm. and then it's reflected later when there's like a three-way stab out <laughs> like right. in the in the tub. Yeah. That tub was originally going to be a scene where and I don't know how they both get in there but um Martin and Hawkwood are like in this tub and they've both got like knives and they're having like a pleasant conversation like in this bath but they're both getting ready to stab each other. Oh, okay. But that That's was totally changed when the whole thing got rewritten. So well, yeah. right. I kind of feel bad for Verhoeven although I don't know why he had to put a rape scene in there but um yeah yeah well it's a different time yeah i know it, it <laughs> no was. we don't accept I, no, that no you're right we don't you do no i don't would you recommend this um watch legend uh i, I would watch legend it's a it's a movie yeah it's, act, <laughs> it's nuts but it actually has a female character who goes through the same thing she is like everything's great and then it's like i don't know what do you think about evil baby and she's like mm, evil's Maybe yeah, but right. then she's like, no, 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 no. No, it's not. It was bad. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it either. <sighs> it's too bad. It had the potential to be a good film. It did. Yeah. Um. Instead, it's just an okay film. Yeah. But that's okay, baby, because Rucker Howard's been in so many good films. What's your favorite Rucker Howard film? I think, even though it's kind of cliched, I probably have to say Blade Runner. Um. I just uh. Love him as Roy Batty. Um, I think he does an excellent job in that film. And um, you just can't help but like him. And I don't know. Maybe that's just kind of part of Rucker Hauer's charm. But um, I, I I find Roy very likable. You find Roy very likable? Yeah. Despite him, you know, M- murdering, being a bad guy. And, crushing a dude's head? Yeah. <laughs> Being very I, disrespectful. Okay, I guess I, I find him, like, like you understand why he is the way he is. Yes. I guess that's a better way of putting it. Uh, do you know he was in Gallivant? I think I did read that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Uh, if I had seen that, that would have been my favorite thing yeah. uh, that he was in. Um, it's not my favorite movie, mm-hmm. but I think my favorite role of his is uh, from Lady Hawk. I, I like Lady Hawk. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's just perfect for that film he is because he's it's he's got that thing where he's just got so much charisma and appeal but he's often playing uh like you know quote unquote bad guys mm-hmm. i don't know there's just something about him that it's like kind of bad boy you know it's like yeah. i don't know about this guy but then he kind of gives you that like kind of well kind of smile and it's yeah like, oh, you're gonna kill me aren't you but I, I think i'm gonna like it and i think what's interesting about that film is we when we first meet him, we think he's like the bad guy, but then we actually come to understand him. And, and it oh, works because yeah, of that. Exactly. Because he's, you know, he really, and, I mean, in the end, he's, you know, this huge sword fight in this church and they're yes. just throwing themselves around and it's all based on, you know, there's this holy light that's coming in. Like he is clearly like the, the crusader, the good guy. Y- yes. Compared to Matthew Broderick's character, who is the, um, 
just the totally venal thief uh, right. who is talks to God all the time, but is not, you know, he is un, an unholy man, basically. Right. It's a totally different thing. Yes. We think that he, we're following Matthew Broderick and then we yeah. see this weirdo who turns into a wolf. Right. <laughs> but it turns out that he is like the shining armor like yes. guy. So, yeah. But it works. It, it works specifically because uh, it's uh, Rucker Howard in the role. Yeah. I agree with you. Well, you should have picked that one. I guess I should have. <laughs> So that's it. That wasn't so bad. No. That's like an Irish wake. An Irish wake? Yeah. Because we, we celebrated, we came, we celebrated. <laughs> Careful. Don't pause too long. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, we celebrated this great guy who uh, had an AIDS awareness organization. I know. Called uh, the Starfish Association. And he was a knight of the Netherlands. and. I know. Damn you, unspecified illness. I know, right? Let's start uh, uh, <laughs> Let's start our own organization to fight unspecified illness. I, I like this idea. I think the Bluths did this one last year, but we'll pick up the torch <laughs> from where they dropped it. But yeah. Um, anyway, uh, if you want to let us know how much you enjoyed Rucker Hauer or even what your favorite Rucker Hauer film was, you yeah. can on our social media at Facebook and Twitter at justenoughtrope.com. Also, good things in the future, as has been announced uh, previously on this very episode but uh keep abreast of them by following us on those social media accounts also check us out on stitcher all of our shows on the just enough trope network are available on stitcher on itunes google play and all those good places and if there's a outlet that you uh that you patronize and we're not on let us know yeah. in those same places or email the show at just enough trope.com and we'll try to get it on there i think we're on most of the major ones but maybe we're missing so. one so we'll make sure and find out. We're on CastBox. CastBox FM. That's your favorite, right? I'm going to reach out to them. I love your product. Right. Let me sell it. You want me to write? <laughs> I'll do some copy. Or you give me some. I think that's a fantastic idea. Love that CastBox FM. Yeah. It's great stuff. Anyway, uh, moving on because they aren't paying me. Uh, <laughs> Not yet, When anyways. you find us on those services, subscribe to the show. It's the best way to get it. It comes right to you. Also, leave us a review. We want to hear how you think we're doing. Mm -hmm. And give us a rating. Probably the, the most important part, because uh, yes. that lets those services know that we're doing a good job. We move up in the ranks, and everybody gets what they want. Mm -hmm. So to that end, leave us five turds, oh, no. but it's just beets. It's not blood. <laughs> okay. It's beets. It's beets. Uh, yes, I've uh, crashed my car. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's beets. Yes, I know. It's beets. <laughs> there are beets everywhere. Weird. I know. I know. What a weirdo. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. Uh, there's not much you can we do. We gotta watch L. L? Let's yeah, do yeah. Part three, coming soon. Of Verhoeven. Yeah. I think that sounds good. Or I'll wait like six months or something. But anyway. Okay. Uh yeah. So until then, give us five stars. And we'd sounds appreciate good. that. The five Orion stars swirling around, <laughs> making an go. O. Can't wait. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. We'll be back in the future to talk about something else. And we're signing off until then. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mika Hanna. Keep the geek fires burning. <laughs> <laughs>